This is the Engineering Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Avi Noda. In this episode, I speak with Utsav Shah, who previously led developer effectiveness at Dropbox and now leads platform at Fanta. When COVID hit two years ago, Dropbox's CTO put out a mandate for the org to find a way to measure its impact on developer productivity. This mandate largely fell on Utsav's shoulders, and he went through a really interesting journey to figuring out solutions. We talk about how his team explored both system and survey-based metrics, his opinions on the usefulness of Git metrics like PR cycle time, and the challenges of tackling problems that exist outside the sphere of influence of a developer experience team. Utav, thanks so much for being on the show today. Really excited to speak with you. For sure. Thank you for having me. So as I understand it, you have a pretty awesome story to tell about your time at Dropbox. Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned you were around 900 engineers at the time. This is several years ago. Mm -hmm. And when COVID hit, your CTO asked your group, and can go more into that in a minute, but to figure out a way to measure developer productivity. And this mandate sort of came down to you. So I'd love to zoom back to that time and start with just, you know, what was going on at Dropbox when COVID hit? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I'll give a little bit of background of like, how did we get here? Right. So I started on a developer tools build infrastructure team way back in 2017, my first job out of college. And I was really interested in this one particular team. And that's not most new grads. So you have to ask yourself why. So I'd interned at Google right before, and I had just fallen in love with, you know, the build infrastructure, like Blaze Build XYZ, and you have 10,000 machines just running commands for you. It was just unbelievable. And then when I was interviewing across for like my first job, I met the tech lead of my team at that point, Kyle, who said, you know, we're trying to rebuild that here at Dropbox. You know, we've just, we're doing our migration to Bazel, and we really want to build that infrastructure. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to work on that team. So 2017 to 2020, like pretty much, I think, middle of 2020, I was on all various flavors of build infrastructure, developer tools, developer velocity stuff. We'd actually been running like engineering effectiveness surveys all throughout that time. And I had just learned a lot from the other engineers who'd been around at that time. But then by 2020, I was the tech lead of the team. I had kind of been around the block a little bit and uh, COVID hit, right? Everyone had to work from home. and the first question on everyone's mind was like, how is this affecting us, right? Like first as, of course, you know, stay safe, stay at home. A few weeks pass by. Are we still getting our jobs done? Like, is anything happening? And it's really hard to tell at the executive level, right? Like you can kind of tell, okay, are we ship still shipping products or not? But are people being more effective? And I had opinions for sure. And that question came down to me. But you hear a lot about leadership wanting to be metrics driven, right? So they kind of wanted metrics. And at that point, I was dubious, right? I'm like, there is not a single metric or there's not like maybe a couple of metrics that I can distill for like a thousand engineers to kind of go back up and show you, right? But they still wanted metrics. Yeah. So I'm curious, you mentioned you had an opinion mm -hmm. in terms of how COVID was impacting developer mm -hmm. productivity at Dropbox. So what was your on the ground opinion? Yeah. So it's, again, hard to tell on an aggregate what people are feeling. But if you look at just the, you know, how much is CI costing us every month, it's like a good proxy of are people making any pull requests or not. 
that was all the exact same. I don't think on any infrastructure graphs, you could have noticed a difference between COVID and non-COVID, right? Like number of pull requests being merged, a number of commits across all of our different repositories, it all stayed the exact same. So my opinion right from the bat, and I would have noticed if anything had changed because our spend would have changed, our profile of like what we need to focus on would have changed, but everything looked the exact same. It's like we can just carry on with our roadmaps. So that was my original impression. It's like okay, remote work, I had not known. I had like one remote worker on my team and like seemed to be fine and we're all doing the same. So my initial impression was there is no metric on this graph that can tell the difference between pre-COVID and post-COVID, but then leadership wanted a metric anyway so that they can catch if there's any problems going on. So that was my original opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So it sounds like you kind of just looked at the metrics you already had, particularly around your build tools and conveyed that to leadership, but it sounds like it wasn't enough. They weren't convinced. Yes. So they, they were not happy with the state of metrics that we had. And that's for good reason, right? Like, Things like commit throughput, it is an extremely bad proxy for anything, right? Like you need to be at least be able to like slice and dice per org, per group. I mean, does it really make sense to measure the number of commits going into a shared repository between like 30 teams? Like they were understandably not happy. And this is something that I wanted to solve a while back. The thing was that Dropbox had started in early like 2007, 2008, right? So we'd kind of have all of these homegrown tools that we had a homegrown CI tool. We were using Fabricator, which is the Facebook open source version of a code review tool. And one big challenge in my mind was that you cannot easily integrate these tools with everything else in the ecosystem, right? Thinking around developer productivity metrics and all of that has kind of really expanded from 2007. And since GitHub is kind of, stolen all of the uh, market share, I shouldn't say stolen, taken all the market share around uh, repositories, all of the tools around measuring developer productivity, like your Git Prime and Code Climate Velocity, tools that I'd wanted to use for an extremely long time, they don't integrate with Fabricator. So my original thinking was that GitHub is popular, engineers like using GitHub. I need us to migrate to GitHub because not only does that open up all the developer velocity improvements of just having a tool that everyone knows how to use. But also, it, I get all these things, like these amazing metrics. I could integrate it like Git Prime with our current set of Git metrics, but I think it's just not enough. You need the full story. You need like, you know, how quickly are Jira tasks getting done on time. And you kind of want to combine that with like qualitative stuff and surveys. So that was what I had tried to do. I, I started a conversation with GitHub and they just told me at that time, I, I think there was like, this was early in the Microsoft acquisition era that there's no way they're going to they're gonna support us. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to wait. That's so funny. Well, I was working at GitHub at that time. So that's, that's interesting to hear. So sounds like you'd had sort of a interest in this problem for a while. You mentioned mm-hmm. you were aware of some of these vendor tools. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, were you also influenced by books like Accelerate or, you know, the space framework also came out a little bit after COVID hit. So I'm curious, kind of, what was your personal view on how this problem should be approached? So did it really boil down to 
the Git-based metrics or did you have kind of, yeah, what's, what's your sort of high-level view on the problem? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd been interested in this problem since like 2018, right? Since a couple of, since a year of joining in that role. That time, I think space wasn't a thing. I think Code Climate Velocity and Git Prime were the only two vendors and now Git Prime has been acquired by Pluralsight. But that time, Git Prime was like the fancy tool. It's like the number one player in the space. And they had like a podcast episode, which I loved. And I was like, I need to get this tool for us. So my opinion kind of evolved over time because we we had done, we used to do these engineering effectiveness surveys once a quarter. And we used to get a lot of information from that. But then engineers complained about survey fatigue. And it's a pretty rational, like it's a good complaint. It's a reasonable thing to say. It's like once a quarter, writing down like, 30 questions is kind of annoying. So we moved to like once a half. And then for 2020, like when COVID happened, we didn't want to throw yet another survey when people are like just adjusting. It's still brand new. So we kind of waited and we sent it right towards the end. And I think now we're just doing once a year. So I had started seeing that information come in. I started learning about the industry. And we also had an attempt to measure things like code review velocity, like cycle time and stuff. So Git Prime was talking about all of these metrics that seemed pretty interesting, right? Like code review cycle time. Like, yeah, that is pretty cool. So we tried to build a state machine type thing using our internal tools so that we don't have to go through the effort of like migrating to like GitHub or something like that. And we don't have to go through like a vendor review. You know, with an enterprise company and like a big logo like Dropbox, it can take like six months for like the security approvals to come through, especially if you're reading source codes. Like, can we hack something internally? And I think it was a valiant effort. I think we tried. But the code review metrics that we came up with were just never good enough to use. Some of the metrics we came up with, we started instrumenting local developer tools like uh, Git and our linters, and we started instrumenting code reviews. But we could never tell the full picture. And I was always suspicious of can any tool really tell the full picture? Because a lot of information needs to be both from that like low-level information as well as the qualitative like survey information. At the same time, from the surveys, like the number one, like the three biggest problems were always like documentation, open source, and then the third place, uh, like, not, not so, sorry, not open source, the open layout, like the open office layout. And the third, always like traded places. And number one and two were always documentation and the open office layout. So I was like, is there so much I can do as like a developer effectiveness person if the biggest problems are stuff that's really hard for me to fix? So I think some other teams try to build up like a knowledge group and like a technical writing group. We migrated documentation tools, efforts that we tried and failed at, honestly speaking. So my opinion kind of was just trying to absorb all this information. And like over time, I became more opinionated about, you know, there's not just one metric that can give us an answer. There's like a ton of things, right? Linters getting slower uh, in one week by like 2x is bad. Is that is that is it easy to, sit, to put that into like a large framework and measure that and show that in one metric somehow? No, that's not really possible. The linters for the desktop team are going to be much slower than the linters for the server team. So you need to be able to slice and dice. You really need to be good at like handling data, looking at data and like slicing and dicing appropriately. Sometimes you even need to look at team-specific information. So in my mind, it's really hard to come up with like a good set of metrics in an aggregate. 
um, they can guide you and they can maybe you can catch regressions using certain specific things. But by the end, we had like a table of 20 different metrics that we'd have to look at. And of course, team members leave. So you don't have enough context on why it matters that the linters got slower. It was just a challenge. Well, I think this kind of predicament you were in is really the same place a lot of companies are in, even today, in terms of thinking about and measuring productivity. You know, you mentioned two things that are pretty common patterns, you know, one being the difficulty of actually getting some of these metrics out of a set of disparate, especially Mm -hmm. homegrown systems and platforms. And on the survey side, the challenge of survey fatigue and Mm -hmm. running surveys at a frequency that's useful for groups like yours, and balancing that with actually capturing actionable data. So I'd love to go into a little bit more detail on in all these areas to really understand what you were seeing on the ground. I'd love to start with, you mentioned, can any tool actually tell the full story? Mm -hmm. You talked about getting metrics around linters and metrics around code review. So I want to go into more of these specifics. I'm curious, you mentioned the scenario with the linter metrics where might be faster for one group and slower Mm -hmm. for another group. So you need that context and you Mm -hmm. certainly need to actually slice the data and divide Mm -hmm. the data properly. You had talked about sort of code review cycle time Mm -hmm. as well earlier. So I'm curious, what was your experience looking at that metric? It sounds like you were able to suss it out of Fabricator. That's, of course, a very common metric in solutions like Git Prime or Pluralsight Flow. Mm -hmm. So what was your experience with it? We got the metric out, but we could never do anything actionable, at least for the first couple of years that we had that metric, because there were all these states that were expected, like a developer might open up a pull request and then they might be out for vacation for a week. So it's obvious or like it's expected that the reviewer doesn't review it. And that kind of skews your metric because you're like, oh, uh, this team is taking a week to measure, to, like to review other people's code. No, not really. The developer is just out. Or there's some kind of developers who make a lot of pull requests, they assign reviewers, but the, the reviewer has an understanding that, you know, I'm not going to look at this until the tests pass. So then there's like all of these like human variables that come in. And because of all of those outlier cases, if the metric shifted from, you know, a P90 of like two hours to a P90 of four hours, is there anything actionable we can do? I don't think so. And if there's nothing you can do if the metric regresses by like 100%, that's not a useful metric for me. So that's the kind of issues. And then then the question became, should we invest more in making that metric more reliable? And let's try to think of what we can do as a developer tools group, right? If we invest more and we make this metric super accurate, right? What what does that buy us? Maybe we can tell, we can, we can figure out, okay, some groups are slower at reviewing code than others. Okay, we can probably tell their managers. So somewhat helpful, not really helpful unless like leadership really cares about pushing that for us. Because there's a lot of developer tools or like developer effectiveness issues that are technical, like the build is slow. And there's a lot of them that are organizational, that one pocket of the company has a different culture than the others. And there's no amount of tooling that can poke people. Maybe you can like send up, send, set up like pull request reminders. I know I'm talking to a pull request reminders expert. So we, we built all of that stuff in-house. And, you know, to try moving that metric. But those are like obvious things to do, which you don't really need a metric for anyway, right? So in my mind, I decided, okay, I'm not going to pay attention to this metric at all. Like 
the amount of investment it'll take plus the return on investment is too low for this to be useful. Yeah, well, I can relate to that because at GitHub, we were also trying to build a solution that provided curve review metrics. And of course, my previous company, Pull Panda, did the same thing. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, I remember the number one feature request for the pull request metrics was to exclude non-business hours. So like mm-hmm. you mentioned, whether someone goes on vacation or people are just in multiple time zones, if you're trying to mandate a six-hour turnaround time SLA, mm-hmm. you need really precise measurements that filter out all the noise. And I never got to that feature yeah. because, like you said, it just didn't seem worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, you mentioned, you brought up a great point about how some problems or bottlenecks with developer productivity revolve around tooling and others revolve more around process like code Mm -hmm. review Mm -hmm. at the time which do you think your leadership was really more interested in or was it just both or neither (laughs) i don't think they cared about the difference uh i think the question from the cto was like can we ship code faster there were tons of reasons that we weren't shipping code as quickly as we could. And I think if you're at any company where like you've accumulated 15 years of tech debt and like various products and acquisitions and like you've tried and failed to incorporate them, the amount of debt is immeasurably high, right? So I think the CTO wanted like another answer on like why are we shipping not as quickly as we could and I think any engineer who's been at the company for three months, they don't have to be a developer tools engineer can kind of tell you the answer that, you know, there's like tech debt. And that's probably the reason. And cutting off that tech debt is probably more important than spending a lot of time trying to invest into measuring productivity and like optimizing that metric in a very quantitative way. It's like sometimes you just need to clean stuff up. I'm curious, earlier you talked about the challenge well first of all that tools like git prime weren't even compatible with the systems you use but it also sounds like you were kind of taking a good look at how you could potentially stitch together data from these different systems together to Uh have your own homegrown solution Uh i've worked with many companies that large enterprises that invest a lot of time and money and engineering resources into building these types of platforms so I'm curious, why didn't you, well, I know you did a little bit, but can you kind of describe, paint a picture of how difficult it would have been to really build the platform that provides integrated metrics across all the different tools? I mean, how many different tools and disparate areas of the organization were there? I'm, I'm curious to get the kind of on the ground picture of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the first philosophical point was that this is not Dropbox's core competency, right? Uh, Developing infrastructure for developer metrics. So the first sticking point was out of all the things my team could do, is this the most valuable? And going from that, I can describe the various challenges, right? In our case, you have server developers, desktop developers, mobile developers, uh, developers like on various different parts, uh, contractors, QA engineers who don't really fit the mold of regular developers in the sense of you don't want the same metrics applying to them both. So you need to, you have all these different groups. Now within each specific group, you have infrastructure engineers who just have faster build times, faster code review times. They make much more frequent commits. Product engineers necessarily 
they need to be more careful. Like their code is going right to the end customer. They're using a different set of tools. Like there's different IDEs. There's no mandated IDE at Dropbox, right? Because you have like several different languages. Like you have Python, you have Go. So trying to get, trying to measure uh, stuff within the IDE, there was no standardized tool or like IDE that we could use to say, you know what, like what does your IDE performance look like? You have different pockets of the code base that have variable different like in-house even tools. Like we had a version of, I don't know if you're familiar with GSX, but we had a version of that in Python. So none of the existing tools even know how to like read how long it would take to like render like a pixel file. That's what we had, that's what it was called. So if you just look at all of the different like local developer tools, that already makes it challenging. Now, we had one centralized CI system. It was somewhat easier to be able to get metrics from that system. But of course, tests that run on the server side on Linux are going to be quicker than all of the various desktop tests. So now your desktop engineers are necessarily going to be slowed down. So there's, there's that aspect. And then there's, of course, all of the tooling and CI processes. If we had like multiple task trackers, so trying to integrate with all of those was a challenge. Different teams have different processes. Once you migrate to Jira, it's hyper-customizable. So maybe some team is using Epix, some team is using some other mechanism. And we were migrating to Jira because of this, because of the flexibility. And like, then you can get like top-level visibility into stuff because each team can kind of have a customizable workflow for themselves. So I think it's just a very, very different landscape across the company. And then which area do you measure first? Which one do you care about first? We also tried that for a bit. We're like, why don't we just try to solve this one group of engineers like in Seattle? We know that they have a large problem in like developer efficiency. Can we just build an IDE plugin for them? So we even try to take that approach, but then now how do you focus on 20 people and not 870? Like, how do you figure out what that trade-off is? So I think in a large company, it's just, there were a lot of different tools and trying to measure everything would be a lot of work. We did measure some of the very basic, like the tool that you use to interact with Fabricator. We instrumented that. Git, we instrumented that. CI system, we instrumented that. That gives you maybe a third of the picture, and we just rolled with that. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, mm -hmm. that. That was interesting to hear. So you mentioned another way you were trying to measure things is using surveys. Mm -hmm. Before we get into the challenges and approaches you had to that, what were people's opinions on the surveys versus the system data? Was it like a bias from leadership toward, were you kind of being swayed by people? Did executives prefer one versus the other? Um, I think executives didn't really care too much in the beginning. We loved surveys, the developer tools team, the developer effectiveness teams in its various forms. We believe that the survey was just much, much, much better than any tool. The way we thought about it was tools can maybe help us catch regressions when the metric is good enough. It's like, okay, P90 CI time, if that goes up for a certain set of developers, that's consistent. That is bad. And that's going to affect us in multiple ways, like from a finance perspective and a developer effectiveness perspective. So we need to care about that. So we also got like some metrics from tools around, you know, failure, like infrastructure failure. It's great for really targeted things like that. But the survey was amazing for qualitative analysis. And it wasn't even that 
qualitative, I would say. We kind of piggybacked on the company's HR survey tool, Glint. And it lets us do all sorts of interesting things, like actually break down answers by org, by group. So by tenure, by cohort. So we we could do really fascinating things like, let's try to find engineers who've worked somewhere else and have been at the company for three months or six months. Because these are the people who generally have the most useful opinions when you think about they've looked at how the outside world works and they come in and they're like, you know what, this is kind of strange. Why is this workflow so slow? They've been here for like two years. They've kind of gotten used to it and then they won't be complaining as much. Right. So we had this pretty, I would say, involved survey tool that helped us kind of break things down like that. It's like, okay, all the people who work in this org versus that org. And then you can search by keywords. It's like, let's see what people are complaining about Bazel or by, about Git or some other tool like that. So I think the executives did not care as much, but we love the survey. And to me, it was the singular most important like data point outside of talking to people directly. Really interesting to hear. I'm curious, you mentioned it wasn't just qualitative and there were, I'm sure, numerical breakdowns and analysis of the data. Mm-hmm. How did you design the survey questions? And I'm curious, did you ask about people's opinions about things or did you also ask people things like, how often does your CI break? things mm-hmm. like that. I'm curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just tell me more about the design. And for some background, at GitHub, I worked with a team that ran our designed and administered our developer satisfaction survey. And mm-hmm. we had a team of pretty senior engineering leaders, plus Nicole Forsgren, spending fairly significant time continuing to iterate on both the design and the delivery of these surveys. I'm curious how you guys did it. Yeah, so we did not have nearly as much investment. Uh, and I also have to clarify that most of this stuff wasn't done by me. I just piggybacked on stuff that some other engineers worked on. But we had this one particular staff engineer or senior engineer, Alex V, who was the TL of a sister team at that time who designed the survey a few years before I joined. And there were specific questions around how much has your developer experience changed over the last three months if you've been at the company for more than like six months, let's say. And you could rate that on like a scale of 1 to 10. So large efforts and migrations around, okay, we're moving from the previous build system to this one. We could actually tell the difference. And I remember Q3 of 2017 when the team I was working on had shipped this big migration that made developer environments better. You could actually see the difference between the previous year's survey. It's like, 45% of developers said that they felt effective in the previous year survey, and now it's like 71%. So you can see like a massive change. So we had these specific questions around, in the last week, how many times did your dev environment break? Exactly the kind of stuff you're talking about, which forces people not to think in the abstract. It's like, oh, in the last six months, who knows, right? Like, But in the last week, I have a metric and like often humans tend to think, you know, maybe last week was not representative, but if you average that out across people, it is pretty representative, right? So there were specifically designed questions like, you know, in the last week, how many times did things break compared to three months ago? What is your general feeling like? So there were those kinds of questions with zero to 10, plus you could add extra information to any one of them. I wouldn't say it was very scientifically, like it was an extremely scientifically well-designed survey. But I think Alex had certainly read a lot of like information online about how to ask these kinds of questions because they weren't just like thrown in there. Like he had had thought through those things. Yeah. 
That's funny. Was Alex just kind of, he just had a personal passion for survey design and psychometrics, it sounds like? No, I think he was, he had a personal passion for developer velocity. And I think if you've been in the space, maybe this is like an older version talking, but I think if you've been in the space at that time, you're like, you know, none of the other metrics are going to help me, but I need some way to actually measure myself well. And like the survey was like the best answer to that. It's like, it also gives you the enough information to be able to break it down. Like, yeah, we really need to focus on desktop engineers on this side because they are not having a good time, for example. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't mind sharing, I'd love to hear a little bit about just the quick stats. I mean, how many questions was the survey? How long was the survey typically for a developer to fill out? And what kind of participation rate were you guys able to get typically? Yeah, I I have to say, I don't remember all of the specifics, but it wasn't short. It was at least a 20 to 30 minute if you wanted to fill stuff out in detail. And with, with all of these things, there's like, you can skip all of the qualitative answers and like just fill out like one to 10 and like let it go. But we got a pretty good response rate because it was pretty much the only survey that we sent out to every single engineer. And it had all the mechanisms of, you know, the people tools or like, like the people teams survey tool, right? So it would send automatic reminders. It had like a dedicated link for each person. So you know where the responses come from. It wasn't just like a standard Google form. And even though I'm working at a much smaller company now, I've been pushing for at least we need to get a better survey tool because we don't need to have something as advanced as that particular one, but we need to know where we're getting our responses from. We need to be able to break it down. And yeah, it wasn't ginormous or anything. It was, I think, just like 20 or 30 questions with, you know, a single text box for a free form response if there's like anything else. Plus for each multiple choice or like ranking answer, you could add extra information to that particular answer if you wanted to. The first couple of years, I think we ran it, we got a pretty good, like, I remember 2020 was actually like a little low and we had like a 65 or 70% response rate. And it's primarily because of nudges, right? We could nudge teams. And previously, when there was more organizational firepower behind this stuff, uh, it was even higher because the tool could give nudges. We could also tell organizational leaders, like, your group hasn't filled it out, so please, can you send them an email asking them to fill it out? So I think it was purely a function of how often we pinged people and we nudged people. That makes sense. And I mean, that response rate sounds pretty good to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know at GitHub, Shortly after I left, the last one we did was around 40%, maybe lower. I mean, maybe that's a good thing and people don't have things to complain about. That's how, like, if no one's complaining, that's always a great sign to me. True. But Mm -hmm. I feel like developers always have things to Mm -hmm. complain about. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't, uh, I'm not sure I trust that uh, Mm -hmm. heuristic by itself. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm curious. So you had talked about initially when you started this survey, you were running it once a quarter. and. Mm But sort of on the tail end of you being at Dropbox, it had morphed to being just once per year. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about why did that happen? And did you guys try things to keep it quarterly? Yeah, I don't think we tried to keep it quarterly because like as we heard from people that, you know, there's the survey fatigue. We also were not seeing too many changes quarterly. Once we kind of did our largest projects that got our development environments to a reasonable state, the change did not happen as frequently. Like the Q3 and Q4 2017, I, I, I remember this somewhat, the results were very similar. 
So even the ROI that we had was like pretty low. So it's like, okay, let's just make it once or twice a year or once in two years. And then it was kind of more organic. There was like a little bit of management churn on these teams. Like teams got split and reorganized and people got shuffled around and some people left and some people joined. And so the other, the, the going from twice a year to once a year was more of an inorganic, we don't have enough bandwidth to do, to run this quarter, this, uh, run this survey this quarter or this half. So let's just wait until some other time. Plus when COVID happened, you kind of paused on all of such things. So it was, I think we were planning to send that survey out. We had to wait a little bit because we were like, we just don't want to send the survey out right now. Let's wait for some time. That's interesting you mentioned kind of just not having the capacity to mm -hmm. run them more often. So I'm curious what that looked like. I mean, how much work was it each time you ran the survey and who was running it? Yeah, I think the amount of work was in the analysis in my mind. So I did the analysis the last few times before I moved out of the team. And in my mind, if you don't spend the time to like dig in, write a whole report on what you found, interesting things you've learned, which group is affected the most, which cohort is affected the most, then there's no point of like, you know, because it's a big amount of, it's a reasonable amount of tax to ask everyone to fill out a survey and then not spend the time actually analyzing the results. So it was a non-trivial amount of work. I would say the design of the survey questions themselves did not change much over time. Once we had found a good set, course you want to add and subtract more tags it's like okay if you have more build tools we want people to have an option on complaining about those build tools so um, there was a little bit of that ongoing work but it was actually the analysis that was i would say it took like a week sometimes and since it was a larger company and since the, the survey tool was administered by the people team sometimes you'd have to wait for the people team to give you access to the results um, they wanted to do some analysis on it as well. So um, there was it was also like kind of a cross-team effort. So um, adding both those things in, like a week of work, getting access, analyzing, it meant that it's just another task to be like prioritized against other things. Plus a team like ours, like a build infrastructure developer tools, developer velocity team is affected by the standard organizational stuff, right? Like if this year we're trying to cut down on the amount we're spending on CI, that is just much more important, especially if you go public, uh, wink, wink, right? So um, we had to kind of prioritize, like, how do we focus on X, Y, Z? How do we make sure we do like a good job? Let's just pause on the service and send it out next year, given that we know that we're not seeing that many changes year over year. And like, even if we did find out there's like a lot of burning fires, like, there's other stuff we need to work on, right? Like, okay, we can write a report, we can figure out a bunch of findings. We just don't have the people to work on those findings. Let's just wait. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned not having the people to work on the findings. Mm -hmm. Earlier, you mentioned when you were looking at the the Git-based metrics, mm -hmm. for example, code review, how you know, that wasn't really something your team could do anything Impact. about and you didn't believe other teams would probably do anything about it either unless it was really made a priority of the organization so i'm curious was the scope of your engineering effectiveness survey really constrained to just the things that your specific team could change or did you also include things around topics like code review that might be more relevant to other leaders 
but yeah. that your team can affect? Yeah, I think this is like a fascinating question, right? Because there's all of the organizational things that the survey can give and like share information about. But if there's no leader who cares about moving that metric across the company, then does it really matter? And I think that was kind of the case. So our survey did not just involve things that my team of five people or eight people cared about. We had a whole application development group, I think, which involved like developer effectiveness, which was like the global developer effectiveness team. But each specific group, like the server engineers had like a server platform, the desktop engineers had like a desktop platform. And it was kind of a shared effort in a sense. We ran the survey, we would collect the results and we would create a report and we would work with all of these different platform teams to give them specific insight, which they can take back. It's like, oh, you know what, desktop platform, you should consider improving your CI and let's work together on like fixing that or you should think about prioritizing these efforts or here are the set of problems that people have talked about. So I think all the technical teams worked in tandem. So the survey helped all of the engineering teams that focused on developer effectiveness, developer tooling, some of the larger organizational stuff, right? Like, you know, we should improve code review cycles and XYZ team. I don't think the org was set up in a way that we could easily make a change in that direction. And in my opinion, it's really like someone who is... So it has, it, let's say that, that we find out that there's an org that has slower code review cycle time compared to everyone else. We can go and tell that leader that, you know what, this is a problem and they can go and fix it. But if that leader doesn't care, we're not going to see a change. And then it, it's kind of like, do we care enough to escalate that? It's like, oh, you should solve this problem within your org. Maybe you have other problems that you care about. Right? Like Maybe it's really like the CTO's job to push on that org leader and um, we did not really see that many org leaders caring that much about this stuff. So um, it ended up being in practice that we would make all of the technical improvements we could make and we would surface information as relevant. And the information was not super relevant for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, let's just talk about something like code review cycle time, mm-hmm. right? Why do you think that wasn't that relevant or important to the product engineering leaders? Yeah, Um, I think there were a ton of, I would say, more pressing problems like burning fires at the company that code review cycle time was not something like I think it would have been a luxury for a leader to care about that metric, given things like tech debt, right? Things that we knew are problematic. And if you think about an organizational leader, they can say that I want to spend, let's say, 30% of engineering bandwidth on foundational improvements and 70% on making sure that we're shipping new product, right? That 30% was already spent on things that they knew had to get fixed, right? So where does this finding that code review cycle time really slot in? It just did not seem that important. And I don't have more specific information to give you other than like this anecdote. But even in our mind, it wasn't that important a metric to push because when you kind of combine that metric with anecdote, right, like from these surveys, engineers are not complaining about code reviews being slow. There's a small percentage. There's always that. But in general, engineers complained about the lack of documentation much more. And that was seen as a much bigger problem across the company. Everyone liked their coworkers. Everyone kind of made sure that code reviews were happening. Everyone was upset that there wasn't enough documentation and that was slowing us down. 
So to organizational leaders, things like debt, things like documentation was clearly a higher priority. And to that effect, they, they actually tried to form a team and to think about like knowledge sharing and all of that. They didn't spend time on these other things. That's really interesting. I mean, if you could sort of reinsert yourself into that environment, something like code review cycle time, I think while it's maybe not the thing that developers necessarily are complaining about, I think just from a rational standpoint, there clearly is a bottleneck there, right? And and perhaps a pretty significant one in the context of you know how quickly things can kind of go from idea to production. So now I'm curious if you could reinsert yourself into that environment. How could you get leadership to care about something like that mm-hmm. when they yeah. probably should, especially since it seems like a pretty low hanging thing? It, you know, you don't really need engineering investment to affect that. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first thing I would need is a metric that I can defend. Right. If I don't have a metric that I can say this is scope to your team, this is scope to the senior engineers. This is not like, you know, an intern struggling and their mentor not reviewing code quickly enough. That is a problem. That's a separate problem. Right. I think the first thing I would need is a metric that I can defend. And the second thing is for me to convince myself that this is a significant part of the engineering side. Like 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 the whole product velocity, more like this is a significant roadblock when an engineer is trying to ship a feature. If code review cycle time, if like it seems like for a certain group, their PRs were getting stuck on code review for days and weeks, and everything else was smooth, right? Like they're shipping their features quickly on time. They're not needing to make these revert commits and like re-revert their reverts and get that through. Like there's all of these other um, metrics that are also relevant, right? If you take all of those things and then you show, you know what, code reviews are actually taking up 40% of developer time, right? With a metric that I can trust, then I would be happy to push myself, like push other people and saying, you know what, you should care about this. I think the way it was, was like kind of a chicken and egg where if you didn't have a good enough metric, we couldn't use that to tell people that this is a problem, right? So I think a metric that we could defend, a metric that we could understand ourselves and we actually genuinely believed that it is a source of a problem, then it would have made the difference. Yeah, that makes sense. So you fairly recently started working at Vanta and you've mentioned they're growing from a pretty small team, I think around 10 to on their way to like 50 engineers. Where are you at with all, are you in the same place you were at with Dropbox a few years ago or how are you viewing this problem or experiencing this problem there? What's also the need? I mean, are they already hitting a point where engineering velocity is kind of a little elusive to understand? I think, yeah, even with 10 engineers, it's hard to understand. Like, I think even when I first started, like, since this, it was a smaller company, like 50 or 60 people, and, you know, you set up one-on-ones with the CEO, you get to talk about anything. She knew my background. She's like, you know, let's talk about developer velocity. Like, is it as quick as it needs to be? And no one even really knows, even with five engineers, even with like two engineers, like maybe we can be shipping faster. Right. So with 50 engineers, it's harder. Like you get like anecdotes, you get information. I think everyone is interested. Like our leadership has already talked about like, you know, tooling and like which metrics we should be using. And again, this time we're on GitHub, so I can actually get these metrics now. So it is elusive. I think without tools, there's just without like a good tool, there's no point in 
trying to measure it. Like there's no point of trying to get it yourself. There is the standard metrics of like how long CI bills take on each PRs, which we try to have a measure for. And over time, I think the plan would be to use like a better survey system, at least, or even just like investigate the market. I haven't done any like vendor research or anything this time, but once we get to that point that, you know, we care about this stuff and like we're at like 70 or 80 engineers and we have some time. Also at a startup, you're just like trying to ship stuff as much as possible. So once you get some more time, probably go back to doing like a vendor review and like pick something that combines maybe some of the information that we get from GitHub with a survey that we can send out to people and like have that broken down by like, you know, small groups of teams. That is like the ideal tool that I would be looking at maybe like six months from now. Got it. Well, Utav, I'm really excited to continue to follow your journey at Vanta and really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me again. 